um, I've heard this as the argument, well, it's because I didn't choose to be gay. I was born gay, I would say. And we're all born also adulterers, fornicators. We're all born with these tendencies. The whole point is we need to be born again. Mark 10, 6-9 But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Logos Talk Welcome to the Logos Talk Podcast. For sermons, daily devos, and more resources, visit logosbaptist.church. Welcome to our 11th episode. I'm your hostess, Izet. I'm Pastor Manny, and off camera we have... Hi, it's John, the audio producer for Logos Talk. For today's topic, we have sexuality. So, Pastor Manny, what does the Bible say about sex? So, something to not run away from. The Bible is actually very clear. Since the beginning in Genesis, God made sex as a gift between a heterosexual husband, a heterosexual wife, and God. It's a covenant. And so sex is given as a gift even before the fall to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife. Right. So how does the culture see sexuality is our next question. And I would want to say they pervert it in the way that, um, like you said, it's between a heterosexual man and a heterosexual woman to where now it's man and a man, female and a female, or transgender or any top any um what's it called any names they want to call it and to the point where now there's a whole month to celebrate their coming out and their pride right so i mean you got to ask the question what was the purpose of it in the first place if god designed it what is the purpose behind it and god made it clear to adam and eve our first parents he said be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth so one of the purposes of sex was uh, reproduction to continue the human species and uh which is why you need a man and a woman to put the genes together and make babies uh, another reason that we don't talk about a lot in um, church especially is for enjoyment for pleasure for a husband to enjoy his wife a wife to enjoy her husband and for um protection so that if it's in covenant it's the two becoming one flesh a lot of the reasons um, that our culture they feel devastated uh, when they break up. It's because there's no covenant. They're having sex in a perverted way, not under God's intention. And so when they break up, they literally feel like they tore off a piece of their own body because spiritually that's what happened. It says they became one flesh. So what are some other ways you've seen our culture really um, pervert, dilute, or do things the way that God did not intend? Well, I just mentioned that, you know, like the same-sex marriage, uh, it became legal a couple of years ago, and... The whole Pride Month, there's a whole month that we have to hear them um, be proud of who they are and what they want to be. And, uh, yeah, just how the, the world sees things, how they want to see it. And see, this is where our generational differences uh, come in play, where when I was uh, when I was growing up in the you know, 90s, um, it was still not so widely accepted in media, especially. Um, which is uh, homosexual relations. Um, but I know in your generation, it's very different, right? Yes, it's very accepted. And just if you say, oh, no, oh, you're being offensive. Why can't you hear me talk about it? 
And it's like, ah, oh, you have a whole month to talk about it. It's unprecedented. I I don't think, I mean, uh, Pride Month is a big thing here in America, uh, June. But around the world, it really isn't. Um, we live kind of in a bubble here where we think, you know, it's, I mean, go to Russia. There's no gay marriage there. There's no uh, homosexual uh, rights the way that there are here in America. And it all started in the 60s and 70s with the sexual revolution where it was just, let's all express ourselves. Let's all try new things. Um in the name of tolerance, diversity, and pride, which is what you were talking about. Right. So something that they have taken and switched is the rainbow, right? In the Bible, um, Christ says it's a promise for, from him to us. And now the rainbow is a sign of pride, of, um, well, yeah, being prideful of their gayness or how they uh, affiliate themselves as. So that's kind of what the rainbow is now. So what would you have to say about the rainbow? Right. So um, if you look at the gay pride flag, it's it's only six colors. And the rainbow is actually seven colors. So even um, if you want to talk numerically, you want to talk biblically, uh, seven is always the number of perfection in God's eyes. Six is always the number of man, meaning fallen uh, nature. Uh, even in, in, in and of itself, that's also showing uh, the fallen nature of man. So the rainbow, as you said, was a promise from God to us uh, at the time of Noah, flooded the earth. And one of the reasons uh, God flooded the earth was because sin was just so widely accepted, so prevalent. He said, I'm not going to put up with it. Floods the earth, spares Noah and his family who were not sinless. They were also having their errors. But um, then he puts the rainbow in the sky and he says, this is my promise that I will never again flood the earth and kill all humanity. And so I think it's about time Christians uh, reclaimed that symbol uh, from God, uh, which is to us and was perverted um, in our generation. Definitely. I agree with you on that one. So um, what does the Bible have to say about homosexuality? Right. And uh, let me back up a little bit. The whole topic is sexuality in general, right? Right. And I don't want it to feel like we're going after one group. So we define what sex is. It's a gift from God between a husband, a wife, and the Lord in covenant. So homosexuality is just one of many deviations from God's design. The same way that God sees homosexuality is the same way he sees adultery, which is sex outside of marriage. The same way he sees fornication, people who are not married, living and sleeping together. The same way he sees bestiality, which is sex with animals. God puts all of these into one uh, category called sexual sin. Um, so the Bible, let's talk about homosexuality specifically, because that's the question. Um, in the original language that the Bible was written, there was not a word for homosexuality. So what was the word that we see now in our Bible translated as homosexuality? It was uh, effeminate. So what it would define is men who acted like women, men who would receive sodomy, which uh, is a sexual act uh, from another man. And uh, when the Bible continually talks about that, it never paints it in a positive light. Have you kind of seen that lately, this shift from... Um, you know, homosexuality is a sin to Christianity accepting it. Yes, there's a lot of um, so-called churches who now accept it and say, oh, yeah, come celebrate your pride with us. You know, we're all happy for you. Be who you are. Accept it. But it's kind of contradicting and goes back to false preaching and teaching how the Bible says one thing, but us as humans, we bend the knee and we say another. So it's very, um, very sad to see as well. Right, it never paints it in a positive light. I mean, from the Old Testament, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighboring cities, homosexuality was accepted. The uh, 
crowds there when angels came to visit Lot and his family. It says that they wanted to uh, rape the angels, and it was all men who were banging at the door. Um, and God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where we get the term sodomy from. In the New Testament, Paul talks about how neither liars nor thieves nor homosexuals will inherit the kingdom of God. And then in Revelation, um, Jesus himself speaks about that, how no sexually immoral people, including fornicators, homosexuals, those who practice bestiality, uh, pedophiles, will inherit the kingdom of God. So it puts all of that into one category. We never want to make one sin uh, more grievous than the other. I think God sees them all equally devastating. Right. So what would you say would be the dangers of sex without marriage? So, I mean, um, you see this where sex is supposed to be enjoyed within the covenant of marriage. And where you don't see the covenant, you see uh, moving in together, sleeping together. And then you see breaking up because there was never a covenant. Uh, you see, you know, obviously sexual, sexually transmitted diseases. You see uh, what's unplanned pregnancies. Uh, you see just heartbreak. I mean, um, we come from broken homes. Uh, what would you have to say about that as far as uh, broken homes and then the sexual relationship being sometimes the cause of a broken home? Well, in my case, it was more of a domestic abuse, but um, there was no like sexual sin that I know of, of course, right? Um, uh, my mom has expressed to me that she thinks my dad did. But um, it was just a whole a lot of things tied into one that were just like, no, it's time to stop. It's better for the kids. So I read a study recently that said that um, among couples who are living together, not married, um, the rate of sexual abuse or rape or physical violence is higher than actually married couples just because there's no covenant. Again, it's just what do I get out of it? How can I enjoy you without owing you anything? So I would say even one of the purposes of marriage was protection. Uh, sex was protection, that God would allow a couple to enjoy that within the confines of marriage as a way of protecting them from being abused by anybody who would just expect sex with no covenant. Right. So we're going to send it over to John, who has a couple of questions for us. Can there be a gay Christian? It's a question I had asked you once because I was having a little bit of difficulty with it. It's a lot of it's a question that a lot of people ask. Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of denominations where they started appointing uh, lesbian pastors. Um, it's hard, but the clear and definite answer is no. There cannot be a gay Christian the same way there cannot be a Christian fornicator. There cannot be a Christian person who practices pedophilia or bestiality. Uh, there cannot be a Christian who practices murder openly, continually, willingly, without repenting. Because the whole point of being a Christian is you die to yourself. I heard an amazing testimony of a, a gentleman who lived as a homosexual for many years, committed a relationship to his uh, gay uh, lover. He became a Christian. And somebody asked him, do you still have those attractions sometimes? Do you still have those tendencies? And he was very honest. He said, I do. But I fight against it because I'm not defined by what I think or what the culture tells me. I'm defined by Christ. So it's not what I want. It's what does God want. Um, and... Why don't you talk a little bit more about that bending the knee, what you were saying uh, earlier as far as Christians starting to welcome that. They, um, I would say they become very tolerant, and you've mentioned it, that we can be tolerant to a certain point, right? When it comes to um, being tolerant to where it changes what I believe in and it goes against what God says, then that's not something we should be doing, right? And I feel like that's a lot 
of what Christians are doing nowadays, well, so-called Christians, right? Where the famous Christians are the ones telling, you know, it's okay. You know, don't worry about it. God still loves you. That's not part, that's not what God looks at. He looks at you. But um, part of being a Christian is living like Christ. So if you're not living like him, what's the point of it? Yeah. And I mean, lastly on that, um, I've heard this as the argument. Well, it's because I didn't choose to be gay. I was born gay. I would say, and we're all born also adulterers, fornicators. We're all born with these tendencies. And the whole point is we need to be born again. Right. It's like you said, we have to die to ourselves and live for him. Okay. The following question is, does God hate gay people? Um, wouldn't you agree that that's one of the things that uh, the LGBT community um, says, that, that they feel hated? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Like just by saying, oh, I'm I'm going to go to church. Oh, so you hate me because you're going to church? It's a, it's a whole big thing. And uh, to answer that, I would say God loves these people. God loves all sinners. Jesus on the cross bleeding and dying is a testament to the world to say God loves all sinners. Come as you are, but God will change you. So, yes, God loves gay people and God loves all people. And he wants to change them to the image of his son. And lastly, is it a sin to live together if we are not married? Um, to be blunt with this, I would say yes. Um, because the Bible says this in Proverbs. Can a man put burning coals in his lap and not burn? In other words, can you live in temptation and not burn yourself eventually? And I don't think it's so much about um, where's the line, like what can I do, what can I not do? I think it's when's the right time. Song of Solomon continually says this, don't awaken love until it's time. In other words, uh, be careful. Save, guard your heart, the Bible says. Uh, save yourself for marriage. Um, the question is about living together if you're not married. Have you seen that in your generation as well, the whole hookup culture, live together culture? Yeah, and and because of it, there's a lot of pain, like you said. You know, sex is meant to be between a married couple, and because it's taken out of that, there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of anger towards God because they're feeling pain, but God says you do one thing and you do the other. So definitely, like it's it's become so common for people to not be virgins. For example, I have made a promise to God that I was going to keep myself a virgin till marriage. And I've been told to my face that I was wrong. They've laughed to my face saying, no, you're not going to make it. You won't do it. And it's very um, it's very sad to see that this is how the generation thinks now. Right. Um, there's a pastor that I enjoy listening to his sermons. And he says this, that um, basically it's idolatry. Because um, that bed that these people are living in together, not in covenant marriage, becomes like an altar. The girl who offers her body to her boyfriend becomes like a sacrifice. The boyfriend taking advantage or taking um, her is like a high priest. And this is a whole ritual of offering yourself to a false god, the false god of sex. Uh, the Bible, that's why it tells us in Romans 12, it says to be transformed and you be the living sacrifice. Um, so definitely, um, it is a sin to live together if you're not married. The Bible does encourage... Uh, Perhaps someone who's in this in this situation, um, in First Corinthians, if you're not able to um, withhold your passions, if you're not able to control yourself, get married, do the right thing, do it the right way. Which I think that's why it's so important for uh, churches to be involved in young people's lives, because where's the place they're supposed to run to is church, and often people feel judged and they don't want to go to church. Um, but 
can a gay person, can a fornicator, can an adulterer be redeemed? Again, we go back to Jesus, and the answer is yes. Right. So we're going to end um, on that note. Thank you, John, and thank you, Pastor Manny, and thanks for tuning into the Logos Talk podcast. If you have any more questions, send them to us through our social media channels. See you on the next one. The Logos Talk podcast is a ministry of Logos Baptist Church. Our audio director is John Sanchez. Our technical director is Haley De La Fuente.